Lord, Lord, help us as we look at his precious word today. So Hebrews chapter 9, uh, verse 16, uh, says, uh, For where a testament is, uh, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled the blood, both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once, in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment... So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time unto sin, uh, without sin, unto salvation. So we'll look at those ideas some together. Uh, mostly I want to focus on uh, verses uh, um, there, uh, uh, 25, 26, 27, uh, 28, uh, as we'll, we'll draw some points uh, from those. But, but let's pray as we look at this idea. Uh, um, I want to entitle this message today, um, After This, The Judgment. After This, The Judgment. Lord, we, we thank you for your goodness. Uh, we thank you for your precious word. I pray that you'd uh, allow me to explain it clearly. Holy Spirit, I pray that you take the truths and apply them to hearts. Uh, I pray that you meet with us today, and I pray that you be honored and glorified as uh, we look at your precious word. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, kind of working our way back toward those final verses, but let's explain them just a bit. So verses 19, I'm sorry, 16 through 18, uh, what's going on there where it says, for where a testament is. And of course, uh, sometimes on, on the buses, the, the, the one, one of the good trivia questions, how, how many books in the Old Testament, right? How many books in the New Testament? Uh, this Bible of ours consists of an Old Testament and a New Testament. And so here where it says, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. And so we also think of when we talk about somebody passing away, did they have a last will and testament, right? The idea of a, of a will. For where a testament is, there must also be of necessity uh, the death of the testator. So a will does not come into power until the, the person who made the will dies, right? And that reminds us of the New Testament. Uh, this came into power with the, the death of the testator, 
When the Lord Jesus died, into, uh, died on the cross and shed his blood, this will came into power in a unique way. For where a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. <laughs> right? I wouldn't walk up and, and say, well, am I in your will? Well, I'll just collect my goods. Wait, 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 I'm still alive. <laughs> uh, this, this falls to you after I pass, if, if I'm in your will. This falls, you, you can't take it just now, right? Garrett and Nate and all those guys, Brother Spooner, I, I, I'm going to come and get my things. It's like, I'm still alive. They're still my things. I want to pass those along when I pass. Um, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. So my, my dad, the Lord, he was, a, he was a saved dad. Praise the Lord. God took him home in 2002. Uh, he, he had left a will. And that will came into power when my dad passed away. It legally came into effect. It had no strength until he passed away. In the same way, the New Testament, this is the will and testament of the Lord Jesus. And it did not come into power until the testator died. Now, my dad didn't rise from the dead, though. Uh, the testator that left us this, he died, and this came into power, and then... He came back from the dead on top of that. How wonderful. The testator died, bringing into power the old, uh, the New Testament, and then he rose from the dead, and leaving the will still in power. Uh, verses 19 through 21, uh, let's read that. Uh, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, so we're talking about the Old Testament, um, he took the blood of calves and goats. So blood was spilt in the Old Testament as well. Um, and we're talking about how much better the blood that's spilt in the New Testament. The blood of the Old Testament was a picture of the genuine blood that would be spilt in the New Testament. Moses took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet, wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled the blood uh, with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. So here we take a quick trip back to Exodus chapter 24. We see Moses dedicating and inaugurating uh, that testament uh, the covenant with the sprinkling of blood in that day sometimes ancient custom would require a covenant to be sealed by the sprinkling of blood even upon the document as a sign of the the seriousness or the solemnity that that covenant held and certainly there's no greater solemnity than the covenant that god makes with us and blood was spilt in the old testament as a picture of the precious blood that would be spilt when Jesus died on the cross for us. Verse 22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Boy, in studying the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, virtually all things therein were purged or cleansed with blood. Sin cannot be atoned for except by the shedding of of blood in the Old Testament, it was the blood of innocent animals. There would be a sheep without spot, without blemish, and it would die, and the blood would be, would be would be spilt. And that was a picture of the innocent Lamb of God that would come today, uh, come later on, and be and His blood would be spilt for each and every one of us. 
Leviticus 17.11 in the Old Testament tells us, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. In the New Testament, we see very clearly that it was the blood of Jesus that was spilt uh, to cover the sins of all mankind. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. It's the one thing that can wash away sin. Uh, Revelation 1.5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. In his own blood. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. Remission of Ephesus has the idea of, of forgiveness there. Now verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So the the tabernacle down here was purified with the the blood of of animals, of sheep and and goat. Uh, That's how it was pictorially uh, purified. But the heavenly tabernacle, it was necessary that it be purified with better sacrifices, with the blood of Of the Lord Jesus. The pattern of things in the heavens. This is a reference to the earthly tabernacle. Uh, The word pattern or hupodegma has the idea of a model. I remember as a kid because my last name is Mitchell. So I remember as a kid I wanted to buy a B-25 Mitchell bomber. And put it all together. So I got that little bomber and got the 10,000 little plastic parts <laughs> and started gluing that together. And at the end, I had my B-25 bomber. It was a model, uh, definitely not to scale, right? <laughs> much smaller, a, a, a pattern of the much larger B-25 bomber airplane that would have dropped all those bombs and with the the machine gun turrets on on there. And and so in the same way that the tabernacle that we read about in the Old Testament was a model of the heavenly tabernacle, purified with better sacrifices than the one in the Old Testament was uh, purified with. The blood of uh, of sheep and goats, that one purified with the very blood of Almighty God the Son. The earthly model of the heavenly tabernacle was fitted with a, it was, it was fitting that the picture of the heavenly atonement be found in the blood of animals down here. But the Old Testament was merely a shadow of a, of the reality. There was Jesus when he came. He was the reality. And as light, uh, uh, hits an object and a reflection is cast, a, a, a shadow of the reality. Through the Old Testament, we see a shadow of the reality. Jesus is the reality that all those sacrifices uh, were a shadow of pointing to the Lord Jesus. Verse 24, for Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. Down here, the, 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 the tabernacle that was constructed by the artificers uh, there, in Egypt, uh, there in Israel that God gave them the skill to build the tabernacle. Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands down here which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. 
Once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies down here on earth, bringing a blood covering for the mercy seat. But Jesus Christ, our great high priest, entered one time into the Holy of Holies up there. One time, our great high priest, the the high priest down here, did not say, okay, I've granted access. Now everyone can flood through. No, he can go in. He alone, one time a year. But our high priest, he went in once and then he opened the door. A a, a pastor, a preacher friend of mine sent this to me this morning. and He didn't know I was going to preach on this today. But our high priest, how, how precious. In the end of Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but when all points uh, tempted, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a great high priest. He entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, the Bible says, as our great mediator, intercessor, and high priest. Okay, now we come to our verses that we want to draw some points from. We come now to verses 25 and 26. I want to look at the substitute, the sentencing, and then the Savior. The substitute, the sentencing, and then the Savior. Here in the end of chapter 9 of, of Hebrews. The substitute, first of all. Verses 25 and 26. Nor yet that he should offer himself often. As the high priest entereth into the holy place. Every year. It did not stop. Year after year after year after year. The high priest's job was never done. It was done For a while, only to have to be redone next year. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. That high priest walked in with blood that did not belong to him. It was spilt by those innocent creatures. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once... In the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Boy, what precious words. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year. In the Old Testament, the high priest did his duty hundreds of times. On the day of atonement, year after year, his job was never done. Just temporarily done until next time. And everyone in Israel needed the blood atonement. There wasn't one person that was, uh, that lived such a clean life that they didn't need blood be spilt for them. In the same way, there isn't one person on earth good enough that they don't need the Lord Jesus as their substitute. And you might say, well, I don't, I feel like I don't need my sin forgiven. But really the truth is we need to learn to set feelings aside and trust what the Bible says about my condition. That high priest in the Old Testament entered in every year with the blood of others. He did not bring his own blood, but the shed blood of the pure, spotless, innocent animals 
But in contrast, boy, Jesus, the reality that cast the shadow. Jesus is the reality when he came. But now in the end, the end of, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin. By contrast, Jesus' work was done one time. Never to be done again. Never needing a booster shot, Brother Tim. One time it took care of it. One time. Booster number one, booster number two, boost. No, my, my Lord, he provided the cure. One time. There's a heresy out there that teaches that by means of a special mass, Jesus is continually offered for our sin. And this passage very clearly teaches otherwise. But you know, just like that that high priest in the Old Testament carried in the blood of others, you know what our high priest did? He sacrificed himself. By contrast, instead of bringing the blood of another, he brought his own blood. This blood is better in its singularity one time. And it's better in its infinity. Never needing to be spilt again. Having an effectiveness that carries on for all of eternity. Jesus came to die in the place of sinners. You and I are sinners. He is the substitute for sinners. He came and he, uh, there was Jesus. It, it, we love Christmas time, don't we? When, when Jesus came, put on flesh and, and, and became a, 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 an infant and, and dwelt among us. Matthew one twenty one. Why did Jesus came? Come and she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. He died for all mankind. You might say, he shall save his people. Does that include me? Am I one of his people? Well, uh, you needn't worry. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 1 through 2, My little children... These things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only. But also for the sins of the whole world. Our substitute, Jesus. Secondly though, we see the sentencing Interesting here in verse 27, it says, uh, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We see in this verse two inevitable truths. One, that every man dies. Uh, Aside from the rapture, one day the Lord will come back and those that are saved will meet him in the air. (laughs) and be with him forever. The dead in Christ shall rise first. But there's a better chance than not that you and I will pass from this earth uh, through the veil of death. And on the other side, we're going to stand before God. It doesn't matter how you... If you think, I I live a life where I'm unimpressed with God. Okay. (laughs) I recommend you take care of that right away. Because when you stand before him, right on the other side of death, 
you will wish that you had not been so foolish. Every one of us will stand before Almighty God one day. It is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. Some might ask, wait a minute, I I thought you said Jesus paid for all sins. He didn't pay for my sins? Why would I die and stand before him and be accountable for my sins if Jesus died and he paid the penalty for all sin? Great question. Let's talk about that right now. Sadly enough, most people will enter... And I say most people because Matthew 7 says that there's a narrow way that leads to uh, life eternal and few there be that find it. Most people are on a broad path to destruction. Most people will enter eternity with their sin debt still on their account and will be cast into hell and then eventually into the lake of fire for all eternity. Yes, Jesus paid the debt, but just because the payment has been made doesn't mean that that payment has been applied to your account. That's where salvation comes in. Those who are saved and on their way to heaven are those whose accounts, full of sin, have been wiped clean. And then Jesus' righteousness placed on those accounts instead. So a person who's saved, how did it happen? First, they came to realize that they had a sin debt. Their life account was full of debt and there was nothing they could do about it. As sinners, they couldn't remove one sin, nor could they put any righteousness on their account. Secondly, first they realized their account was full of sin. Secondly, they realized that, boy, the Father in heaven loved me so much that he sent his son, his precious son, to pay my sin debt in my place. Thirdly, they trusted in what Jesus did for them on the cross. The cross. Only because of what he did on the cross do I have access to the forgiveness that Jesus paid to give me. When they realized that, they cried out to Jesus for salvation. They confessed they were sinners. And they confessed with their mouths the Lord Jesus as their only hope. And believed on him with their heart like the Bible says in Romans chapter 10. And Jesus, true to his word, saved them. An illustration might be this. There, there's, there's Ryan down there. Ryan has a house. And I think you still have a mortgage on it. So I don't know what his mortgage is. Let's, let's say it's $220,000 that he owes on his house bill. He has a debt that he's trying to pay. And then, I like this part, let's pretend I'm a billionaire. Now he has a mortgage, he has a debt and I have, I've got more money than I need to pay his debt. Let's say I come to Ryan and I say, Ryan, I did a little research and I found your exact uh, mortgage payoff loan amount. And I have, I have, I've got billions in the bank. And I brought my checkbook. My Capital One checkbook here. And so I open it up. And I say, turns out you, you, you owe $220,000 and, it's, and I, it's in my account. And I would like it to be in yours to cover that debt. 
And I take this checkbook and I write out, uh, pay to the order of Ryan Skeen, $220,000, and I date it, effective right now. And I put on there, to pay his debt, and I sign it. You know what that means? By creating this check, I have authorized for funds to be transferred, but they haven't been transferred yet. That's what Jesus did for us. He authorized that the entire payment for your sin be taken care of, but the transaction hasn't been applied yet. How sad would it be then if I go to Ryan and I, I, I fill out this check and I, I bend it, you know, I want to make sure it tears along the perforated line and not right through the middle of the check, right? We've all been there. <laughs> we, we bend it, rip it out. And I'm all excited and I walk up to him and I'm like, it's right here. It's right here. And I walk up to him and I hand it to him and he looks at it and says, eh, that, that's funny money. I don't believe there's worth in that piece of paper. Oh, but there is. There is worth. No, 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 take this. Place some faith in the value of this authorization of the transference of funds. Go to the bank. It's exciting. Your entire debt can be wiped out. And you might say, ah, you know what? I have a system for paying off my own debt. Now that brings us to another thing. I know Ryan, and I'm pretty sure he's making his payment every year, right? 38 cents goes on the principal, and uh, $1,200 goes on the interest, you know, and and slowly that's changing. (laughs) But even that 38 cents against the principal, his debt's getting smaller, but it's different with our sin debt. Nothing we do is taking care of any of that principal. If we enter into eternity and say, I have plans to pay for this myself instead of 30 years. It's, well, okay, your payment schedule is forever. Never will any of the principal be wiped out. Interest for all eternity. Oh, how sad is it? But then here's another difference. For me, it's just money. You're like, you're a billionaire. What, what do you care about money? When Jesus comes, it's not money that makes the payment. It's not money. Who cares? If I'm a billionaire, who cares? But when Jesus says, I have authorized the transference of funds, you know what's in that account? The blood of the Lord, his own blood. Can you see why the father is upset when you and I say, not interested? When it was the blood of his precious son that purchased the payment for that sin debt. That's why in the end of John chapter 3, it says the wrath of God abideth on the unbeliever who says, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. How sad. This checkbook right here. And just like Tim said, boy, won't you tell somebody? Because this is not nearly as exciting as this checkbook right here. Do you know that God authorized 
every man's sin debt to be covered. He wrote the check right here. Tim was saying, won't you? He had, he had, a, vis- he had a visitor here. He, he likes to shine for the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, on Friday night, one of his guests, I, I want to bring him, but I want him to hear the gospel. Lots of men here. Praise the Lord. And you know what they heard? That the one that owns a cattle on a thousand hills authorized that their sin debt be taken care of. They just have to place faith in the value of the words on this paper right here. My check doesn't carry any weight until I put words on it and I sign it. I affix my name to it. We have God's words right here. And he has affixed his name to it. How sad when we go into this world and people say, not interested. Not interested. We see the the sentencing. And the only thing on the other side, the Bible tells us, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned. It doesn't matter. I don't feel like I have a debt. It doesn't matter what you feel like. Everyone has a debt. Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and come short of the, the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But praise God, somebody else died in your place. The sentence. Boy, when those that are saved get to heaven. Why, why should I let you into heaven? Because my debt was washed away. And not only did he take the debt out of my account and place it on his, but he took his righteousness and filled my account with that instead. So when the father looks at us, he smiles because all he sees is the righteousness of his precious son. That's the only way we can have a home in heaven. We saw the the substitute. We saw the sentencing. And lastly, in verse 28, let's just see the Savior. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. You're like, oh, the, many? Well, we, we read it earlier. The sins of the whole world. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Jesus once offered, and he's coming back. The first time he came to die, the second time he's coming to bring his chosen people home. Those that are saved. Once again, the truth is driven home that Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross was singular. One time, it was sufficient. And because of those two things, it's superior. Unto them that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. How exciting! Those who by faith trusted him they, they, they take the check, the authorization, and they say, I, I place value in this. I place value in this. I, I have faith in this. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. I'm trusting in what you did, in your payment. And that transaction occurs. That sin debt is wiped away. The Bible says, without sin unto salvation. What, what is that talking about there? 
He will appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Well, the first time Jesus came, it was to bear the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. And the second time he comes, second time he comes, it won't be to bear the sins of anybody. He's already done that. The second time he comes, it will, to be, it will be to bring about the fullness of the salvation that those who have received him as their Lord and Savior have to look forward to. Jesus, what a Savior. There again, Matthew one twenty one. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. How precious that name. The king, the prophet, or the priest, every title of our master, Shiloh, Emmanuel, wonderful, the mighty counselor, every name is like the honeycomb dropping with honey. And luscious are the drops that distill from it. But if there be one name sweeter than another in the believer's ear, it is the name of Jesus. It's the name that moves the harps of heaven to melody. Jesus. The life of all our joys. If there be one name more charming, more precious than another, it is this name, woven into the very warp and woof of our psalmody. Many of our hymns begin with it and scarcely any that are good for anything end without it. It is the sum total of all delights. It is the music with which the bells of heaven ring. A song in just one word. An ocean for comprehension, although a drop for brevity. A matchless oratorio in just two short syllables. A gathering up of the hallelujahs of eternity in five simple letters. Jesus. Pleading. Pleading for you and for me. Why should we linger and heed not his mercies? Mercies for you and for me. Come home. Come home, ye who are weary, come home. Are you that believer Brother Tim talked about? Are you a believer today and, you're, and you're, uh, your attention is on everything other than letting people know that Almighty God has authorized the transaction of funds for their sin debt to be paid. What is there that we can tell our fellow human being down here that's more precious than that? Why aren't we getting more busy about that? Unbeliever, are you here today? You need to come to the Lord Jesus to be your Savior. In just a moment, we're going to have that invitation. We'd love to have you come and talk to somebody and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Jesus is pleading. And I'm tired of tarrying. I want to do something about that today. Jesus. 
the gathering up of the hallelujahs of eternity in five simple letters. What will you do with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? Oh, build your life around him. There's no better life.